Inshallah, we're going to be going through tafsir of Surah Hujarat. Uh, the word tafsir is from the word fassara. Fassara uh, means more than just to explain. So you find like sometimes edges of Quran or explanation of Quran. But that would be fahama tafhiman. Yani to explain the Quran would be tafhim al Quran. Uh, but tafsir means more than just to explain. Tafsir means ishrah al-lata'if. As mentioned by Imam uh, al-Asbahari in his book Mufradat Gharib al-Quran. So tafsir means to not only explain what's obvious, but also, also to uncover what people may not notice, to delve into things in a deeper way. That's the meaning of tafsir. So the meaning is the idea of kashf al-lata'if al-asrar, to uh, uncover certain uh, subtleties which people may not notice, and also al-bayan, to make something clear, to clarify something. So we talk about tafsir of Qur'an, we're talking about not only recognizing what is obviously stated in the Qur'an, but also certain lessons and subtleties that we can take for ourselves. We find a number of different approaches towards tafsir of the Qur'an. There are some people who focus on the narrations, the riwayat of the Prophet ﷺ and the early companions, tafsir bi riwayat. And of course, the greatest, most important text is the book of Ibn Jarir al-Tabari and uh, his famous tafsir where he collects uh, all of the opinions of the early Muslims on ayat. And then Ibn Kathir, he comes after al-Tabari um, by about three or four hundred years and he makes like an abridgment. So tafsir of Ibn Kathir actually is an abridgment of the tafsir of Imam al-Tabari uh, radiallahu anhumah. There are also types of tafsir that focused on the language. So Imam al-Makhshari and his monumental work al-Kashaf, he like unveils kind of the mysteries of the language and the beauty of the language. And then coming after him is Imam Ibn Atiyah al-Andalusiyah, who in fact his book may be in fact deeper uh, and more profound than the book of Zamakhshari, where he does the same thing. And then also you have people who focused on the issues of the day. So the uh, lessons, not only of the past, and not only the issues of differences of opinions and different narrations, but you have also people who focus on what does the Quran teach the people that are reading it at that given time. So you look at the work of Imam al-Razi, uh, anhu in his Tafsir al-Kabir, where he will sometimes like elude to things that are happening in the world around him and extract meanings from the verses of Quran. Imam Ibn Ashur, a Tunisi, he died in 1973. Uh, his approach was also not only unveiling the linguistic miracle of the Quran and the issues of fiqh and maqasid al-shari'ah uh, and so on and so forth, but Imam uh, Ibn Ashur, uh, rahimahullah, from Tunis, he also was focused on like, what is the Quran saying to us now? Perhaps the most profound person to engage in that kind of teaching in the last 30 years was Imam Sha'rawi, who was from Egypt, dies in the 90s, and really um, has this massive impact on the Quran and its engagement with the masses, and how it impacts the masses. I'm somebody who believes that we have to respect the tradition, but that tradition, if it fails, if we fail, excuse me, if we fail to be inspired by the tradition to answer questions of the day, 
then we have failed to understand the tradition properly. So there are people who may want to live in the past, Alhamdulillah, Barakallahu Feehim, may Allah reward them and bless them, but we have very serious, serious challenges and opportunities that face us today that the Qur'an and of course the traditions of our beloved messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam can address and bring benefit to. There are also even tafsir that just deal with issues of fiqh, tafsir ayat al-ahkam. So in Azhar for four years, alhamdulillah, we took a class just on the explanation of verses that deal with issues of fiqh from all the different mathahib and why they differ and how they differ and this approach and that approach. Written by one of our former deans, uh, Sheikh Muhammad Ali Sayyid rahimahullah ta'ala. Our approach today is to simplify uh, what this chapter is saying, inshallah, but in a way that brings about profound meaning. And I want you to think about something very differently, that we tend to live vicariously through teachers. I sit before you as a sinner. I sit before you as somebody who has the same struggles you have. Uh, I wanted to stay and watch Oklahoma continue to destroy Florida Atlantic instead of coming here. We all have our challenges. We all have our struggles. And one of the dangers of contemporary American Islam is that we are idealizing leaders in a way which is unhealthy. And we are trying to live our Islam through people. Whereas people should inspire us to live Islam for Allah. One of my great teachers used to say to me that the wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't get you lost in the greatness of the wali, but they get you found in the greatness of Allah. And that's why the Prophet وسلم, when he was asked, khair? He was asked an authentic hadith, what is the best type of people we should sit with? He said, Man He said, the person when they see you, they remind you of Allah. And there is a, a dangerous form of hidden shirk. Not shirk that takes us out of Islam, but there's a danger in wanting to be the center of attention of the people. We want to direct people to Allah and to the Quran and to the Jalal of Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's why Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, Imam Dhahabi mentions in Sierra Al Manubala that one time he saw Ubay ibn Ka'b, he was walking and a lot of people were, you know, following him. And Sayyidina Umar, he said, Man ha'ula? Like, who are those people following you? He said, Atba'i. These are my students. He said, La ha'ula fitna. He said, That's a fitna. So Sayyidina Ubay radiallahu anhu said, Insarafu, insarafu. Like, go away, go away. Don't follow me like this. Don't follow me like this. Don't follow me like this. And that creates. Two problems in our community. Three, number one, it distances us from a relationship with God and revelation. Because now between me and God and revelation is my group, is my sheikh, is my whatever. And this isn't just affecting uh, people of tasawwuf. This affects even the Salafis on both sides. Qala Allah, qala Rasulullah doesn't hold the same kind of transcendent value to someone who's living their religion through people, doesn't mean that we don't ask scholars questions, of course, and that's the job, that's our relationship with scholars, is to ask and learn. 
but not to idealize, not to turn into the latest boy band or girl band. That's a problem. Because that diminishes the grandeur tu'azimuhu wa tu'aziruhu. Allah said tu'azimu Sayyidina Muhammad. Like you should, you should magnify the Prophet. Wa tu'aziruhu and you should see the awe of the Prophet. Wa tu'aqiruhu and you should work in a way that brings sakina to the Prophet And with Allah yusabbihu lillahi ma fi samawati wa Everything praises Allah. As for us, we're human beings. And the greatest respect we can have for each other is to be honest with each other. So the first danger of having an imbalance in a relationship with a teacher or a spiritual figure is that it distances us from true tawheed. I'm not calling these people shirk or I'm not saying that of course. I'm not saying people are bad, but we're saying we should be careful. Number two, it allows us to be lazy in our own practice. So now I'm living through like a righteous person or, or a group. So the responsibility is not really on me, but Allah says in the Quran, وَلَا تَزِرُ أُخْرَى Everybody is responsible for themselves. كُلُّ نَفْسٍ The Prophet said, everybody is responsible for themselves. Allah says about the wives of Sayyidina Lut, and Sayyidina Nuh, وَلَمْ يُغْنِي عَنْهُمَا مِنَ اللَّهِ شَيْئًا That their relationship with their husbands didn't help them. If that's the case of prophets, what about teachers who make mistakes, who fail, and who fall into shortcomings? So one of the goals, I hope, inshallah, that we can come out of this, uh, this, this opportunity to be together with is to increase our relationship with Qur'an. Before we start the tafsir, let's quickly talk about some of the virtues of the Qur'an and then we'll break for salah. We know that the Prophet said, خَيْرُكُمْ مَنْ تَعَلَمَ الْقُرْآنَ وَعَلَّمَهُ The best of you are those who learn to teach the Qur'an. We know that Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, he said, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ أَهْلِينَ وَأَهْلُ اللَّهِ أَهْلُ قُرْآنِ وَخَاصَتُهُ In authentic hadith, the Prophet said that the, Allah has chosen friends and those chosen friends of Allah are the people of the Qur'an. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Imam Ash-Shatibi when we, when we learn proper tajweed, there's a system that we should learn. We should first learn a book called Tuhfat Al-Atfal and then after that, we should learn a small text called Matna al-Jazariya. And then for someone who wants to move beyond that, Hirz al-Amani, which covers the famous seven qiraat written in a poem by Imam al-Shatibi. First two books, alhamdulillah, we translated it and we'll be teaching them through my school, inshallah, Swiss. Online, you can go to suhaybab.com. Leave your email, inshallah, we'll give you the information in the future. But Ash-Shatibi says something about our relationship with the Qur'an. He says, وَبَعْدُ فَحَبْلُ اللَّهِ فِينَا كِتَابُهُ He says in his poem, after praising Allah, after singing Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and salawat upon Sayyid al-Awaleen, he says, وَبَعْدُ فَحَبْلُ اللَّهِ فِينَا كِتَابُهُ He said, the rope of God in our lives is the Qur'an. The Arabs, they used to make what's called isti'ara. 
istiara means to take something which is a concept and give it like a physical representation. We say in rhetoric, tajseedul afkar. And tajseed from jasad, tajseedul afkar. To give, give a theoretical idea, an image. So when Allah talks about Islam, how does he usually talk, talk about Islam? What is the word he uses in, in the Quran? Who knows? يُخْرِجُكُمْ مِنْ الظُّلُمَاتِ Light. You, you see light. So it's like now Islam to you is like a light that shines in your life. It's called istiara in Arabic. We say اهدنا إلى الإسلام or اهدنا الصراط المستقيم. We don't say God is to Islam. We say God is to the straight path. So now we see, we visualize Islam as a process. It's a path that takes a lifetime. That's called istiara. Allah does the same thing with the Qur'an. Cling to the rope of God. As if to say, if, if we want to have a connection with God, if we want to have a viable relationship with God, we should hold on to the Qur'an like it's a rope. That we're, and the word i'tisam, the word used, it's translated as cling. Actually, the mu'tasim is someone who's drowning. So as they're drowning, and may God protect us. You know, that last ditch effort when they throw out their hand, like, I hope someone throws me a line, that's called mu'tasim. Because I'm drowning in this dunya. I'm drowning in this life. The community let me down. My parents may have let me down. My children may have let me down. My marriage is struggling. Finances ain't right. I'm going through all kinds of challenges. I got a president that looks like a hot Cheeto. All kind of nonsense is happening in my life. Islamophobia. So what do I do? So like I, I shoot my hand out through the sea of this dunya, looking for the habl of Allah. And the habl of Allah is the Qur'an. Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, Hablullahi kitabu. The Qur'an is the rope of God, the connection. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibn Abi Shayba, he's a scholar in his text, he mentions a number of ahadith in the chapter fi thawab al-Qur'an, on the virtues of the Qur'an, he said, that the Prophet said that the Qur'an is the book of Allah and that it is the rope of God extended to creation from the heavens to the earth. Another narration the Prophet said inna kitab Allahi the Prophet is reported to have said that the Quran, one end of it is a rope of God, is held, is held by God, and the other end is held by His creation. Meaning, like the relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts with the Quran. When I became Muslim, alhamdulillah, my, my first teacher was from West Africa, from Senegal. Alhamdulillah, I studied with him for 10 years, Sheikh Ahmed Ndiaye. And I remember when I first, the night I became Muslim, man, in Oklahoma, he grabbed me, this big dude, man, big Senegali brother. He grabbed me and said, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah, he said, I'm the Imam of this mosque and I want to tell you something. I said, what he said, memorize the Quran. 
I said, Sheikh, I got NWA memorized, man. I got, you know, rap songs memorized and all kind of stuff. How am I going to be able to memorize the Quran? He said, Quran nurullahi ala wajh ardi. He said, you know, the Quran is the light of Allah on this earth. So don't worry about that. That's Allah. Don't worry about that. Allah will take care of his Quran. But what he told me as a convert is that as you convert to Islam, you're going to be faced with a lot of different groups, a lot of different personalities, a lot of things that may confuse you. So you should start your relationship with Islam. And he said something very profound to me. You should start your relationship with Islam and your effort to be guided as a Muslim, you should go back to what guided you to be Muslim. Allahu Akbar. And he said, what guided you to Islam? I said, yeah, I got a, I got a copy of, of the Quran. And he said, if it guided you out of kufr, then certainly it will continue to guide you in faith. And that was a very profound moment for me in my life. So Ash'atabi said, Hablullahi fina kitabuhu fajahid bihi hibla al-ida mutahabbila. He said in this poem, can you imagine we have a scholar who wrote a poem? He got bars, man. A thousand lines on all the different qira'at. That's our tradition. We're busy fighting each other, man. We're busy fighting each other. We're busy caught up. We can't appreciate the beauty of our deen, man. That's why Allah says, وَلَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلَّ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Like, don't, don't let us have any hatred to the believers, man. That doesn't mean that we don't demand justice and demand to be treated correctly. That's different. But not to be consumed with animosity and hatred towards people. So he says, وَجَاهِدْ بِهِ So in your life, jahid with the Qur'an. Make jihad with the Qur'an. And what he means here is intellectual jihad. That's why Sheikh Zakaria al-Ansari, in his explanation, he said, Jahid bil hujaj wal baraheen. Meaning like the more you know of the Quran, the better you'll be able to repel people who try to argue with you, and then your own doubts and own challenges and own struggles, you'll be able to engage the Quran in a way that helps you intellectually make sense of the challenges that you may deal with. We'll talk about that later. As well as wajahidhum jihadan kabira. Allah says to the Prophet, you should make jihad, and here jihad ilmi with knowledge. You should bring strong proof. And Ash'atabi does something very beautiful in the Arabic language. He says, Wajahid bihi hibla al-ida mutahabila, which means like you're hunting hearts and minds with the Quran. Like that's how powerful it is. Like when it touches people, it like captures them in a good way. So that's just like he has about 13 or 14 verses. He continues, we don't have time, but he goes in Hirzul Ma'ani, Amani, through the different blessings of the Quran that are very inspirational. So what we're going to do, inshallah, as we break for salah. We talked about the virtues of the Qur'an. We're going to come back and talk about one of the most important chapters of the Qur'an. And that's Surah Hujurat, the 49th chapter. Hujurat means apartments. And 
some of our scholars, they call this chapter Sotul Adab, the chapter of etiquette. And it deals with three areas. Number one is our etiquettes and engagement with faith, with God and with the Prophet Number two, our engagement as a community. You know, the, 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 the unfortunate, disgusting racism. And racism meaning institutional attitudes towards people of color in our community are so antithetical to prophethood and so intolerable. And then our own personal bigotry towards people, our constructions of who people are, you know, we allow that to feed into how we treat people. You find that in Surah Hujurat. And then thirdly, how do we engage non-Muslims? Our attitude towards people of, of other backgrounds and, and trajectories, people of other faiths and people who don't have faith. And then last again, our attitude for things actually, our attitude with our nafs and our, our etiquette with our nafs in our relationship with Allah. That, that what we call sir bain al-abd wa rabbi that relationship with God that exists in my life, that feeling that runs through my veins and my soul, that secret between me and Allah. So Surah Hujurat addresses four issues. Number one, our adab with, with Allah and His Prophet, our etiquette with Allah, His Prophet, and, and faith in general. Number two, our etiquettes with each other. Everyone in this room is sacred to one another, man. It's very powerful, very important. Everyone outside of this building is considered sacred to us. And then the third is our etiquettes with non-Muslims, people who don't have faith or have different faith traditions. And then the last is the etiquette with our soul. So I'll stop now, inshallah, for Salat al-Dhuhr. And then we'll continue, inshallah, after Salah. We talked about the virtues of the Qur'an, the meaning of tafsir, and then what to expect from this chapter. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم